Hello, and welcome to Deconstruct. My name is Fitzgerald Pucci. There are many myths in American society that are causing us to act against our own interests, and Deconstruct's goal is to shed light and give clarity on these myths. Together, we'll trace the origins of the myths our society has forgotten the history of. We'll follow the money trail of the people and institutions who benefit from these myths, and we'll study together how each myth changed the way our world works. Our goal is to equip a listener with a multitude of lenses to see each myth with a fresh perspective and give them the power to reach their own conclusions. Today, I want to talk about the myth behind our expectation to leave our childlike selves behind when we cross into the threshold of adulthood. When we become adult, take on responsibilities, and begin to sustain ourselves, there's an unspoken term of agreements that we take that becomes incredibly harmful to our uninhibited mental states. When we become adults, we are told that the ideas of play, imagination, and childlike wonder are no longer acceptable. We're told to grow up. What do those two words even mean? For many, it becomes an eradication towards a sense of joy and the assimilation into a system that reduces people to productive workers and a bitter residents of what folks call the real world. We give away a lot of our power when we convince ourselves that imagination is beneath us. We give a lot of power when we are convinced that productivity through our work becomes the primary concern of our lives. It makes people dull. It drains their ability to see the world with sharp perspective and creates a microcosm around the job that someone is hired for. There's more to life than the nine to five, and it's a sign of resignation to suddenly develop a mild passion for home renovation. Imagination isn't just playing pretend. It's one of the most powerful tools we have to envision the reality of circumstances we're trying to change for the better. The act of imagining new outcomes to a world riddled with scars of current mishandling is an act of science fiction. An incredible visionary friend of mine told me once about the power that science fiction holds in societal dynamics. How science fiction authors are able to radically redesign the conditions of their reality. To create a world where their utopian dreams can exist as fact. This person said to me that all organizing is science fiction because it is active and envisioning a bold new kind of world that heals the scars of our current reality. It, give us, it gives us the opportunity to design the solutions we want to combat the world's problems with. Without imagination, it becomes nigh on impossible to conduct the experiments that could change our lives and realities. This applies everywhere, from personal life to relationships, families, communities, and our world as a whole. 
The sense of wonder at life is one of the most potent fuels for deep and transformative work that we have. It gives our souls life. It makes navigating the world feel more intuitive, and it protects us from the hardships of it. That which threatens our sense of wonder also threatens our ability to imagine. We ought to be wary of both of these threats. So what does a hurt ability to imagine look like? A lot of it comes from the change we experience to our social contract as we grow up. As a child, we go through a various multitude of rites of passage in the journey from childhood into adolescence and into adulthood. During those rites, puberty, first loves, graduations, first jobs, maturation, first cars, there are a lot of first experience where the sense of wonder is strongest, apparent, and all-encompassing. It's a beautiful thing to experience the first car ride after getting a driver's license, but what happens by the time you pull the car out for the hundredth time? It just doesn't feel as special anymore. It's a shame that the sense of wonder we experience when we do a different thing seems to decrease dramatically the more often we do it. It's like our bodies and minds build up a tolerance to the feeling of joy. A tolerance to the feeling of joy is something that is deserving of an extra particular look. In the professional society of the corporate world around us, we have expectations to behave with restraint and composure. It can be a little taboo to feel a rush of exuberance, and even more so to express that rush. We live in a society that deems emotional expression to be unprofessional, and it discourages it so thoroughly across our interactions in daily life. Our societal view towards wonder imagination, and anything that seems to be childish is deeply dismissive and cold towards any sort of sentiment. Why have we created so much distance from the sensation of joy? Why must the people in lives maintain the stoicism of someone who is hard to impress? Why would we deny ourselves something as healing as a joy that is accessible? Why do we pledge allegiance to the things that make it easier for us to be miserable and harder for us to feel love and wonder? Is it just because we didn't stop to think about the alternatives? Not only is it deeply fulfilling to make podcasts that bring new perspectives on society to folks, with Anchor, it's incredibly simple. It's a free podcast host with tons of creation tools that help make cut and polished podcasts straight from your phone or computer. Anchor makes podcasting simple. They distribute your work to Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many other major platform distributors. They come with a built-in advertising system so you can make money without a minimum listenership. It's got everything you need to make a fantastic podcast in one place. So go download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started today. Now, let's talk for a second about why our society would want to remove our sense of wonder from us in the first place. I mean, it just seems like an awful and terrible thing to do, doesn't it? 
Why would a society purposefully try to make its people's lives less joyful? It all comes down to how the best marketers in the world make their money. They sell things. Not mattresses, cars, or diamond rings. They sell the peace that comes from a good night's sleep. They sell the affirmation of driving a car that gives status. They sell the feeling of security and status itself. They sell the affirmation of driving a car that gives said status. They sell the idea of love. Marketers' goals for a long, long time have been to remove their customers' ability to find their own sense of emotion, to produce their own sense of joy and peace and love, and instead turn these emotions into commodities. When a populace is distanced from their sense of wonder, from their imagination, from their way of feeling and expressing emotions as a whole, it becomes a lot easier to turn these emotions into commodities to sell. Our society hates the idea of people being able to experience joy without buying something in order to do so, and that it depends on our ability to feel wonder or to create our own joy in order to do so. So it creates cliques and clubs and tribes of its own society that find mutual bonds through the things they buy. These cliques, in large part, have lost the ability to create their own sense of joy and are utterly dependent on the rituals of purchase they make in order to keep a steady stream of temporary, skin-deep, good feelings coming. It's a sedative. A group of people may not know what their love languages even are, but they know that a shopping trip makes everything better for a short time. These people may never learn how to interact with the group they are in in a way that heals and brings joy. But their bond through a commonly held misery is enough of a semblance of companionship to tide them over. This concept blew my mind. The idea that unhappy people sometimes lean into the same routines and automated behavior that keeps them miserable because it gives them something to bond over with the people in the same cycles of misery as them. When someone comes in who is able to look past the cycles of complacent mundanity and say, Hey, I see y'all doing that thing that you're doing, but it looks kind of soul-sucking, and I'd rather do me instead. The people in those cycles get very bent out of shape. They get uncomfortable. They designate the person they see doing this as an outsider. They get contemptful because the practice of the semblance of joy and wonder is something that these people have forgotten how to do. An outsider becomes a target for all the bitterness they are holding up within themselves. This bitterness is a natural byproduct of the lives society has designated for its participants. They've deliberately crafted dissatisfying they're deliberately crafting lives to be dissatisfying, to create a vacuum, a void, for people to fill up with reality TV, useless trinkets, and anything else that sells. It wouldn't be as easy to convince people that they needed to buy things in order to be happy 
if it didn't come out to being like this. With imagination and wonder, one can envision a better world that's possible for them to contribute to changing. Without imagination or wonder, people can only see an upsetting world in which they have no choice but to survive through. Along with this silent culture of leading unfulfilling lives, along with the disenfranchisement they experience from things like frequent joy and sense of wonder, comes the absolute inability to express the reality of the experiences we have. There are so many euphemisms and sayings our society has devised in order to give us a strange vocabulary. Hanging in there. Living the dream. Could be better. Doing good, how about you? Each of these sayings has been beaten into the dirt road with obscene repetition. It's easy to say, and portrays a vague enough idea to be able to have said a couple of words to someone and be able to leave the conversation. General society has almost no ability to express the joys and sorrows it experiences, and it is so dependent on an utterly dysfunctional method of communication. Honestly, it breaks my heart. I've had and seen conversations where I focused on the goodbye were the part of the conversation that I spent the most energy and attention formulating was the way to say, well, I've got to run. The part where the conversation ends. It's so depressing to think that our general conversations can be so threadbare in meaning that we spend our energy thinking of how it ends, of when it's over. It's so sad. Like someone spending their time during sex thinking about baseball or the list of errands, my god. We let so much of the culture turning us into productive machines distract and impede us from the joy we deserve. We have so much power to embrace a form of living that makes joy and wonder a primary component. The systems keeping us unhappy, isolated, dependent on commodities, and unable to express ourselves, are so sophisticated. They're so quick to police and to bully the behavior of those who don't fit into their mold. Sometimes, it can feel hopeless to think of changing this monolithic system of quiet misery. But sometimes, when you're in a discussion with someone who's locked themselves away into this cycle, you can say the right word or express one of the feelings that they've forgotten. Sometimes you can see a massive transformation take place where the person who has spent so much time locked away in an emotional prison cell that they've become the wardens of, somehow becoming able to find the key to unlock themselves. I remember old friends suddenly having light burst into their cold pupils. It's the look of someone who had spent years trapped in a concrete cell, seeing the sunset for the first time again, feeling the grass underneath their bare feet, feeling the warm breeze in their face, feeling the bliss of a bird's song, feeling wonder again.
Thank you so much for making it to the end of this episode of Deconstruct. If you have any feelings or thoughts that you want to share with us about what your definition of wonder looks like, how you find it in this world, and how society has fought to keep you away from it, please reach out to our social media pages and send us a DM. You can find them on Linktree, that's L-I-N-K-T-R dot E-E slash Deconstruct Podcast. Consider becoming a supporter, a founding member of Deconstruct Today. If you go to the link tree, you can find a tab at the bottom of the page to support Deconstruct. And if it's the price of a cappuccino at Starbucks or a crisp $20 Harriet Tubman bill for a monthly subscription, you can help fuel the fire that creates the healing, the introspection that makes Deconstruct what it is. I wish you love, I wish you peace, I wish you joy, health, and safety. Stay cool, stay sharp, and stay beautiful. I'm Fitzgerald Pucci, and this is Deconstruct. Deconstruct.